Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Going on everybody and welcome to the Saturday edition of the NHL Stochastic Stochastic NHL Strategy Show. I'm your host, Josh Harris. We're a little late. NFL is running a bit behind there, but there is no show on after us, so we have plenty of time to break down this 13-game slate. We are sponsored by Bet365, joined, as always, by Slim Cliffy. Cliffy, with the wise decision to not watch hockey last night and go see a movie, for a two-gamer, I was unbelievably tilted at Sorokin's performance. He made some unbelievable saves. Five on five, he was 100% save percentage, five on five. But a team that doesn't take many penalties took five, and the Devils scored four power play goals. And Sorokin wasn't even the highest on goalie on the slate. That is just yeah. tilted. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I was I was lamenting yesterday about six, seven, eight years ago. It used to be the Buffalo Sabres that would get the 7.30 Eastern start Friday nights in the NHL. And then over the last few years, it's it switched to the Islanders. You know, the Sabres six, seven years ago were a slog to watch. And even the Islanders now, like, it can get pretty boring. So I was like, you know what? I'll go see Killers of the Flower Moon. And then funny enough, you get a nine-goal barn burner between the Devils and the Islanders. I probably missed one of the best Islander games that's going to happen this season. So, um, yeah, that's the way it goes. Um, Pretty good performance by the Columbus goalie, uh, Spencer Martin, uh, as well, last night. Um, But we have... 13 games to get through 26 teams on this slate. Um, only, I think only one of the teams that played last night is, is also playing tonight. So uh, most of these it's teams, the should be, yeah, the Islanders. So, you know, most of these teams should be somewhat rested. Uh, pretty excited to break this down. Yeah. And uh, Edmonton loaded their top line. It's now uh, Hyman McDavid dry saddle. If you want to stack them tonight, they're $25,300 on your DraftKings apps. Unless you have Onyx here, and then they're nineteen seven. That's not a thing, by the way. I like. I'm pretty sure Haas believed us for like eight months that there was Onyx tier pricing, but that's him. Well, before we get into the slate, I see a bunch of you in here. Make sure to smash that like button, subscribe, so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. We also 
always well cliffy will always tweet out a link to the show i will retweet it <laughs> if youtube isn't for you you can find all of our content over on the stochastic podcast channel make sure to leave a five-star review there don't forget to sign up for the stochastic hall of fame by changing your avatar on DraftKings and fanduel uh, if you do uh, place in the top three contest with over 5,000 contestants. You'll get a shout out in our weekly Hall of Fame segment. You'll also win a free month of stochastic package of your choosing. We're going away from the platinum package. So you will, it is a sports specific package. You can also only win once in a calendar year. But again, if you're winning multiple times, I think you're doing quite all right. Let's hop into this first game here. The New York Islanders with a 3.1 total heading into Buffalo. The Sabres, the Skinny Swords, have a 3.4 total. Buffalo going full blender here. They're searching uh, for some combinations that work that are going to work. So they're going to combinations that they had at times last year that had good numbers. Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, Jordan Greenway on the top line. Second line of Tuck, Skinner, and Casey Middlestadt. I would imagine the Islanders run back their same top six. They looked very good last night. I know Anders Lee took a couple spins up with Horvat and Barzell, but I would imagine Strom is going to start there. Yeah, that's the one thing that really interested me was um, it was like half the game Holmstrom was off the top line. Like it wasn't, you know, just like a shift at the end of the game needing a goal or something. So, and we're, you know, they're expecting Barzell and, and Horvat to produce, and they haven't really done that at five on five yet. So, I'm kind of anticipating that we, we might see somebody new on the top line. I mean, I always hope it's Oliver Wallstrom. I know I never get what I want, so, like, it's never going to happen anyway. But um, definitely something to watch in warm-ups. Yeah, these new Buffalo lines are fairly interesting because these are lines that they ran last year. And it was something I thought they would do from the start of the season um, because it seemed like they really wanted to move Alex Tuck to a different line um, to try to balance things out a little bit, but they didn't. You know, they, and they've had a rough start, so they are going back to the lines that they had last year. Greenway, Cousins, Tage Thompson on the top line. Two things about this. One, when they went to this configuration, Tage Thompson's ice time really took a nosedive. Like, there there were a lot of games over the final, like, 20 games of the season last year where Thompson was at, like, 15, 16, 17 minutes a night. Now, he started there this season, but he had played over 21 minutes in each of the last two games. I don't think... We're going to see him play 21 minutes um, here tonight. That's kind of one problem. The other problem is, is when they went to this configuration, they didn't use Tate Thompson and Dylan Cousins in a shutdown role. They used the middle stat tuck duo uh, in a shutdown role. So they'll, I assume middle stat and tuck will be going out against Horvat and Barzal. The problem with that is, is like the Nelson Palmieri angle line from the Islanders is probably the better defensive line. So it's one of those ways that uh, Buffalo coaching staff could kind of be overthinking it a little bit. Um, you are, you know, we are getting um, Semyon Varlamov in net, as you mentioned. Ilya Sorokin um, played well last night for the most part. Power play, not so much. Um, Buffalo's typically not been drawing a lot of power plays either. So I'm not, a, I'm not, I don't really think this is a good power play matchup for the Sabres. I did notice on the top two stacks that Buffalo's really not coming in with a lot of ownership, under 3% on the top line, just over 3% on the second line. So, um, you know, there's just not a lot of ownership coming in on the Sabres. It's not really a brutal matchup with the Islanders having to play a road back-to-back, but I also think where there are minutes concerns, these lines look pretty similar to me. Um, Two guys on the top line on, on the top power play unit, two guys on the second line on the second power play unit. 
Like I would, I would lean towards Tuck Skinner and Middlestat just because I think Middlestat's a much better offensive player than Jordan Greenway. Um, that's just, you know, that's kind of the tiebreaker for me. But I'm going to be honest. Like I, I don't really have a ton of interest in the Buffalo side. The Islander side is a little bit more interesting to me. Um, Engvall, Palmieri, and Nelson is a line that I would have really have no problem going back to. Uh, you know, the Tage Thompson line with Dylan Cousins was uh, good together last year, but 2.7 expected goals against for 60 minutes. That's below league average. So it's not like a brutal defensive matchup. And I assume that they're not going to see much of the Sabres top pairs. So I think if anything for me out of this game, it's going back to Nelson Palmieri and Engvall. Um, you know, if you want to turn it into a power play stack, leave off Engvall and put on one of Horvat or Barzal. I mean, go ahead. But it is Islanders too. I like best here. Just watch for warm-ups in case there is somebody new on the Islanders top line. Yeah, Islanders second line is my favorite in this game. I don't think I'll be getting to anything in my single lineup from this game because it's a big slate and they're back-to-back. But in MME, I, I definitely will have some Islanders. If I was playing 150, I'd have some Islanders, Islanders two being the most. I also like that Buffalo second line. I just don't love the matchup here. Um, you can like have some in MME, obviously. I think I'm saving that line for a different matchup. I, I think Tuck, Middlestad, Skinner is going to be a nice line. Kind of agree with you with the Greenway up in the top, like kind of hampers them offensively. Although, you know, we'll see what happens. A very important game, it feels like here. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks with a 3.1 total heading into Florida. The Panthers have a 3.5 total. Uh, Florida running back to top six. Vancouver, uh, soup. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev is back for Vancouver. He's not in the DraftKings player pool, though. Uh, and he's up with JT Miller and Brock Besser. That's usually a FanDuel mistake. Surprised that uh, DraftKings was dropping the ball there. It's kind of unfortunate because that line is very interesting. Uh, I think uh, Mikheyev is an upgrade from anyone else they can put on that line, like Philip DiGiuseppe or Connor Garland or, you know, like maybe with exception of Anthony Bovillier, but he's already in the doghouse this season for whatever reason. Uh, on the Florida side, the second line of Kachuk, Verhege, Lusteran, and getting the most ownership, they have a bit of negative leverage. I think in this game, if I was going to Florida, it would be that top line. One, for ownership reasons. Two, uh, there's not really a matchup that concerns me on the Vancouver side, and it's Casey DeSmith in that. So I think, honestly, both Florida lines uh, are definitely in play. Don't get me wrong. I just want to keep getting you know that barkov evan rodriguez duo at lower ownership as the season goes on like i think the ownership is going to start to even out more as the season wears on yeah just um i was just i just double checked it mccabe's going to be playing with petterson and and kuzmenko or at least that's where he was that's, that morning that's my bad yeah yeah I, morning I, I, today. either but way what I find okay what i find interesting about that is that Pedersen, the Pedersen Kuzmenko Garland line had been pretty good defensively to start this season. Like pretty much the only Vancouver line that was actually uh doing well defensively. And adding Mikheyev should only help that. Like there are two things if you look at you know the underlying stats for Mikheyev, there are two things that generally stand out. One is he's a passer more than he or is a shooter more than he is a passer. That's actually a good thing on that line. I think when you have Pedersen and Kuzmenko, like you want a guy that can add a little bit of finish. And I think Mikhaev can definitely do that. And he's good defensively. So I think he's going to be a nice addition to that line. And it's it's not going to make for an easy matchup, um, whoever goes up against them. I mean, it's it's almost certainly going to be the Barkov line. But, you know, you, it's still the Barkov-Rodriguez-Reinhardt line at home. You mentioned on the last show just how good 
you know, um, Reinhardt's fit in on the top line with Rodriguez and Barkov and how good Rodriguez fit in with Barkov just the season in general. Um, You know, around 10% ownership. I think that's just perfectly fine. The thing with Florida is, is like their power plays look pretty good this year, even with Ekman Larson running it, which like I certainly was not expecting that. I thought they might have to go to a five forward uh, power play unit at some point. Um, both teams are taking a lot of penalties so far this season. Now, Vancouver really didn't take a lot of penalties in general last year, but they were a top 10 team in penalties taken, I think basically through like the first 30 games of the season. So kind of, you know, history repeating itself a little bit here. And the problem with Vancouver is like, as good as their like their penalty kill turned itself around once Rick Tocca took over last year, but it, it has been terrible to start this season so far. And if you're going into Florida with a terrible penalty kill, you might end up having a bad time. The Vancouver penalty kill is giving up uh, the third most shot attempts against in the league, the most shots against in the league. Um, and they're giving up double-digit goals against per 60 minutes uh, while on the penalty kill. So this is a pretty good power play matchup uh, for the Florida Panthers, who also do tend to draw a lot of power plays as well. So you have a home team that usually draws power plays, a road team that usually takes a lot of penalties and, you know, good power play, bad penalty kill. Like this game screams power play stack to me on the Panther side. So like, I agree with you. Like, I think the second line is, is in a pretty good matchup going up against JT Miller, but I honestly want as many pieces of, of that top power play as I can. So I think I kind of lean towards the Barkoff line here, which is not something that I, I do a lot. Usually I do use the Florida second line, but if you want to leave off Rodriguez and put on Matthew Kachuk, um, you know, just full on power play stack, all five Florida guys. Like, I think that's in play, even on a 13 game slate like this. Like, it's Casey to Smith and Net for Vancouver. Like, it's not uh, Thatcher Demko. Like, any goalie can steal any game. That's kind of, you know, one of the neat things, well, neat things uh, about the NHL. Um, but I suspect, yeah, exactly. But I suspect it's, it's, it's going, it could be a long night for DeSmith. So even with, double digit ish ownership like if you power play stack there aren't going to be a lot of people in a large field tournament or a large percentage of people um that have that so i i think in this game more than anything it's a florida power play stack that i like if you want to just stack the top line leave kachuk off like i, I think you're perfectly fine doing that um not a whole lot interests me uh on the vancouver side i would probably go to the miller besser di giuseppe line just to kind of avoid the barkoff matchup but it is a florida side i like better here yeah um uh, I, I was about to go off on a tangent about Erod. He must have the attitude of like Brandon Peary or something while he keeps bouncing around the NHL. But hopefully, he finds a home here. Uh, really like him well, on the did, top he line. Did, he did, yeah, he did get a three-year contract with him, so he's going to be there for a while. Oh, good. Yeah, that's good. Good. Let's move on to the next one. The uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to call this. Washington Capitals with a three-point-three total heading into Montreal. The Canadians have a three-point-two total. Even this game is lined at six and a half. Washington, I don't even think, has scored three goals this season. Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Raphael, Harvey Pinard on the top line. Top line for Washington tonight, Alex Ovechkin, Dylan Strome, Matthew Phillips. Uh, pour one out for the homie Whiskers. Matthew Phillips going from a healthy scratch, demoted in Calgary to the top line with the Capitals. Uh, you love to see it. Uh, no one mismanages players more than the Calgary Flames. Yeah. I don't know what to do with this game. We were talking about this beforehand. Like both these top lines are getting four and change percent ownership. Um, 
I see myself freezing a little bit. That was my own fault. I tried to open another browser. But I don't know, man. Like 14-6 for Ovechkin, Strom, Phil, kind of catch my eye. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, one thing that I did note um, in the picks article today, uh, over at stochastic.com, just, just about every day, I have a free uh, picks article that everybody can go read. Just head on over to the NHL section. I did write up the Washington top line because they are priced as a filler stack, basically. They're under 15K on DraftKings. What, what I did note was that Ovechkin, over the last two years, when he's with Dylan Strom, the team generates 3.3 expected goals per 60 minutes of five-on-five. There's no other center that um, Ovechkin has regularly played with, whether Kuznetsov or Backstrom, that is over 2.8 per 60 minutes. So he has had better uh, – you know, chance generation numbers with Dylan Strom, then, you know, then with Kuznetsov, then with Backstrom, et cetera, et cetera. You put Matthew Phillips on the other side. It's kind of funny seeing Ovechkin, who's like, you know, the guy that'll put up like 200 hits in a year and then, you know, five foot seven, 150 pound Matthew Phillips on the other side. But uh, that's what they're going with. Like anybody that's unfamiliar with Phillips, he's generally been one of the best AHL scorers for a few years now. Um just for whatever reason, the Flames didn't like him and got rid of him. And now here, here he is on the top line. I think he had, he had a two-point game a couple of games ago for the, for Washington. So it was against Calgary. Um, and here's the, another thing. is Montreal's had a terrible penalty kill this year. But beyond that, is Montreal's taking over six penalties per game? Now, obviously, that's going to go down. But I think it kind of speaks to, let's call it the youthful exuberance that the Montreal Canadiens roster is playing with. Yeah, uh, you know, some might call it stupidity. I call it youthful exuberance because I like to look at the bright side of things sometimes. Um, Glass half full guy. It's, 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 you know, it's good. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Washington could get there, could get a lot of power play time here tonight. And the way they run their power plays, it's not two even units, but it's basically like 60 40. Um, and Stroman Phillips both play on the second unit and Alex Ovechkin plays both halves. So Ovechkin will play the entire power play and then the other four guys will swap. So Ovechkin, Stroman Phillips are technically perfectly correlated on the second power play unit. And if you look at Washington's power play number, I, again, small sample, it's only been four games. If you look at Washington power play numbers so far this year, they've been way better with Rasmus Sandin on the blue line than with John Carlson on the second power play unit. So I actually kind of like Washington's top line here. They are coming in with a little bit of negative leverage. Uh, 4.6% DraftKings ownership expected on top stacks, 2.3% top two probability. But they're coming in like, I, I, they're, I, they're just a better option than the second or third lines is the way that I look at it. And I, like, I'm not concerned about the Nick-Suzuki matchup. Um, Suzuki and Caulfield typically have had terrible defensive numbers together. So... Um, I kind of like Washington won the most in this game, which, you know, as a Habs fan, it feels tough to say, but that's just kind of where we are now. On the flip side, like, there is a lot to like about Montreal playing against Washington. Like, Washington themselves have looked absolutely terrible this year. Um, you know, near the bottom of the league in a lot of defensive metrics. Like, you know, when you see San Jose and Washington kind of close together in a lot of defensive metrics, you know things are going really bad. So, um, if you want to go to Montreal one, I think that's perfectly fine. Caulfield, Suzuki, and Harvey Pinard. Um, I kind of like the second line a little bit better. New Hook, Slavkovsky, and Tanner Pearson. Um, Slavkovsky, I like. I think he's looked the best of any Montreal forward so far this season. Like I've watched every game that they played, and he's the guy that always stands out. Like, yeah, Caulfield will always have 
you know, these amazing shots like Suzuki, definitely he can turn pucks over and things like that. But there are these little plays that Slavkovsky makes, like these little eight, 10 foot passes that really clear a lane for a forward that have been pretty impressive. So if you want a two man like new hook Slavkovsky or just, you know, one off, you know, Slavkovsky or new hook or something like that, I think that's perfectly fine. So it both top lines here are in play for me. It's the Washington top line that I like quite a bit more in this matchup. Um, especially when you're considering how many penalties Montreal is taking. But I don't mind picking some one-offs from the Montreal second line. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Yeah, and I know a lot of people gave uh, Montreal front office a lot of slack for picking Slavkovsky one overall. Jeff Gorton, very good talent evaluator. Not the best drafter, but, you know, Slavkovsky looks like he put on some weight. He's not getting, like, ragdolled every time he takes the ice. So I do like that Montreal line. But, again, I think Washington top line is my favorite from this game. Let's move on to the Leafs. Let's move on to the Leafs. The Toronto Maple Leafs with a 3.7 total heading into Tampa. The Lightning have a 3.2 total. Man, I wish, I wish the Tampa middle six, like bottom six had a decent line because I really want to attack that Toronto bottom six. But Tampa just doesn't. I mean, they could. I think they should just leave Janot and Esamon together and let them be kind of like pests, forechecking pests, because that's what they're really good at. But they they want to keep them separated for some reason, kind of like the offspring. Yeah, and Tyler Bertuzzi is playing tonight. He was, I guess, questionable. He had a minor injury. Leafs top line not getting a ton of ownership uh, compared to the top stack, top two stack percentage, about 8%. Again, like... These big guns on the slate, we have McDavid, we have McKinnon, we have Matthews. I think Toronto one's always in play. Tampa Bay is nothing to ride home defensively. There isn't really a matchup that worries me. They're almost 4,000 less. Yeah, they are 4,000 less than Edmonton one. Tampa Bay is either starting Jonas Johansson or a guy who couldn't beat out Jonas Johansson to get playing time. So, like, I like going to Leafs one here. They're always in play. There's really not much you can say about him. You want to go to Leafs too? Like, I guess that's fine. Uh, I'd more, I probably just like one off Nylander if I was going that route. On the Tampa side, like, I just don't know. They're not getting any ownership. The Leafs have issues on the blue line. And in that, I just, you know, maybe go to that Hagel Stamkos rally line. I just, I'm having trouble with Tampa Bay here. Like, this, they just have not looked great. No, I, I will say, I think it is Stamkos Hagel rally that I kind of like best. Like, um, Hale and Sorelli have actually looked pretty good offensively together so far this year. 3.2 expected goals per 60 minutes. I mean, that's going back to last year. But 3.2 expected goals, four actual goals per 60 minutes at 5-on-5 when those two are on the ice. Brandon Hagel, he got booted off the top line, off the top power play unit, and still has six points in five games. (laughs) Like, this guy just absolutely will not be denied. Um, You got to appreciate that a little bit. The problem is, like, they're pretty expensive. Like, I think if I were to approach Tampa Bay's second line, I would just two-man Hagel and Sorelli and leave Stamkos off and just save that money 
and hope that, you know, Stamkos doesn't go nuts on the power play or something like that. Cause you know, he certainly can, I think he's done it once already so far this season. So I don't really like the Tampa top line. Um, Alex Barry Boulet, like, you know, God bless the guy. He's kind of, he's the Matthew Phillips of Tampa Bay where he's always, you know, leading in scoring in the AHL can never break through to the NHL. Um, you know, they are going to get second line matchups. So I think that's something that does work into their favor a little bit, but it is the Toronto side that I like best here. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi, they're saying he is expected to play, even though I think he had a maintenance practice or whatever yesterday. They, they did oh, say nice. morning. Yeah. So, you know, you can just go full on stack Toronto one. Like I was looking at, I was wondering how Matthews had done against Tampa Bay in the regular season over the last couple of years. <laughs> he has like, I think it's nine points in five games with 26 shots in those five games. So like I'm not worried about the matchup, especially when you look at like, he might face off against Hagel and Sorelli and as good as they've been offensively, they've given up chances defensively. Like they're North of three expected goals against per 60 minutes of five on five. That's not good. The Tampa top line has been even worse at five on five defensively. Like they just been flat out bad, like Anaheim ducks esque um, defensively. So um, I don't think it's a bad matchup at all for Toronto. Um, you know, if you want to leave off Bertuzzi and make it more of a power play stack by adding a Nylander, adding Tavares, like Tavares has looked pretty good to start this year um, as well. Um, even if he's not getting a ton of ice time, like Matthews and Marner are, like Matthews Marner might play 23 minutes again here tonight. But it is the Toronto top line I like in this best, or like in this game the best, and by quite a bit. Um, I have no problem going to the Tampa side, like I said, but I think it would be more their cheaper options and not necessarily paying up for like Kucherov or point, uh, or something like that. Um, the last note I kind of want to make here is, um, that Toronto third and fourth line, like, you know, we always talk about how bad they are and they definitely haven't been playing well. It makes me kind of just want to like maybe one off Nick Paul. You know what I mean? Um, he's on the third line. He's going to get those bottom six matchups, but he's also on the top power play unit. So I think he already has two, if not three power play goals this season. So I think like one off Nick Paul is just fine. Like one off Mikey Esamont, like he scored the other day. Like he's been shooting a lot. He just doesn't get a ton of minutes. Like one off Tanner Janot, like can't believe I'm saying that, but like things like that from the Tampa bottom six, it's kind of what I'm most interested in from that team. Yeah, I'd probably just went off Nick Paul there for this. Their top power play looked pretty good the other night. Like Kucherov was shooting a ton. I just can't full stack that line with Alex Barry Boulette there. Tampa two, my favorite line there. Toronto one, my favorite in the game. Let's move on to the next one. The Philadelphia Tortorellas with a 2.4 total. Heading into Dallas, the Stars have a 3.5 total. I could give you the flyer, uh, the Flyers lines. They'll probably change. It is Atkinson, Tippett, Couturier, Konechny, Lawton, uh, Forrester in the lineup on the top stacks right now. Will it stay that way? Nah. 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 But uh, <laughs> uh, Dallas 1 coming with almost no ownership. Now, the caveat to Dallas 1 getting no ownership here is I watched that Flyers-Oilers uh, game the other day, and 
oh my God, did Tortorella just completely grind that pace to a halt. And it was just, they, they looked like they were playing duck, duck, goose in the neutral zone. It was one of the ugliest games I've ever seen. So there's concerns there. Now that game was in Philadelphia where Philadelphia can dictate the matchups. It is in Dallas. So I think Dallas one coming in under 1% is in an excellent spot. They're excellent on the power play. They finally got going the other night. I, I think, you know, you can go to the Dallas one for sure. I also like the Dallas uh, Wyatt Johnston one. This is what con- concerns me about Dallas is I'm worried that they're going to take the approach that Boston kind of did last year and that they realize just how good they are and that they don't need to play the top line 19 minutes, that they can play the top line 16 minutes and still win games pretty handily. Um, that's kind of, of a little bit of a concern. Like I think the last game was Rope. It was Rope Hintz's first game or second game back, um, but it was a tight game. And the top line guy still only got about 16 minutes, whereas uh, I think Matt Duchesne was at like 18:45 um, in the last game. He got like two or three minutes more than than the top the guys on the top line did. I'm worried that Dallas is going to do that a lot this year because they can get away with it. Like they have three really good lines. Like uh, they have a really good defense score. They have a really great they have a great goaltender. Like that's what happens when you're a cup contender. You don't unless you're the Colorado avalanche and you only have seven good players, like you can actually just, you know, spread out the ice time. That's the one thing that concerns me with, with Dallas. Like, yeah, if you're playing 150 lineups, you absolutely will have like a few percent of the Dallas top line. you like, I think it'd be foolish not to. Um, but the other thing is like, it's not really a great matchup. Like this Travis Sanheim, Cam York pair, uh, sorry, uh, Yam Cork pair uh, from the Philadelphia Flyers side has been great to start this season. And York is a defenseman I've been high on for a long time. Sanheim had a couple down years, but he looked really good earlier in his career. Got to figure maybe he's just kind of, you know, finding something again. Um, And then they're going into Couturier, uh, Tippett and Atkinson and Couturier's look pretty good this season. So I'm worried it's not a great top line matchup for them. Now, if you want to go down to like Dallas two or even Dallas three, like go down to the Ben, uh, Johnston to Don offline. You get Ben on the top power play unit. Johnston and Ben have played really well together going all the way back to the start of last season. Um, you know, they're coming in with negative leverage, obviously. I don't think you have to full stack them, but I think the, the where you can take advantage of the Flyers is once you get into the second and the third lines. I don't really like the idea of stacking a $21,600 uh, Dallas Stars top line that might only play 16 or 17 minutes tonight going up against Sean Couturier on a 13-game slate. Like, it just feels like there are just way too many reasons not to play them. And the only reason really to play them is the ownership. And if you're not, if you're going to play them because they, they're not carrying a lot of ownership, like, I'll just go play Colorado. You know what I mean? Like, I know McKinnon and Ranton are going to play 22 or 23 minutes unless they get injured. So that's just kind of where I'm at. Like, I think there are other spots, like, we'll talk about, we're going to get to the Pittsburgh game here in a little bit. Like, I, I just think there are other similarly priced spots that are going to be going up against, you know, one of the best defensive centers of this generation. Uh, a top pair that is playing extremely well where and where they might get limited minutes. So I think it's the Dallas, you know, the Ben line that I like best from the Dallas side. It honestly feels like a game that I'm probably just not going to stack either side here though. This, it, it, it honestly just looks like a really brutal matchup for Dallas one. I don't really want to full stack any of the, either their second or third lines. And I, you know, I definitely don't want to play the flyers going into Dallas. 
Yeah, and John Tortorella is, is a very defensive coach. And you take Tony D'Angelo off this team and add in Sean Couturier, like you're going to get very slow-paced, mucky, defensive, choppy games. So, yeah, yeah, I kind of tend to agree there. Sign up using the link in the description box below to get access to the best NHL data and tools in the industry. What do you get if you sign up for plat- – for I always say platinum, but it's whatever – Player and ownership projections, top stacks tools, line combinations. You get access to the Discord. I'm always in there. Cliffy's always in there. Jake's ridiculously good jawline is in there. You have uh, a bunch of sharp people in the chat there willing to help almost anybody as long as you come in, not like you own the place. You know, it's a very good camaraderie in there. So, you know, going premium, an elite option here. You got to use the link in the description box below. It'll take you to get to weekly or monthly packages. I don't know why you're waiting. We had a deal last week. Now you have to pay the full price, but it's still really not that bad for what you get. So click that link in the description below. Come into the Discord. Say what's up. Say I came from the show, and we'll welcome you. And make sure to keep your hands and feet where we can see you. That's Clayton's rule. Vegas Golden Knights with a 3.5 total heading into Chicago. The Bedards have a 2.5 total. My boy, Taylor Radish, on the top line with Connor Bedard and Taylor Hall. Um, Ryan Donato got moved down to the fourth line. I don't know, man. Like, I, I just don't think it is the time for the Bedard Hall Radish line in single entry on the slate. I think in MME, getting above the field won't take too much. They're currently projected uh, for 2.4% ownership in our ownership run. I think you can play them in one to three. I just don't know if I can get there. I like the Vegas top line here. Uh, they're not coming in with too much ownership. The Eichel hate still rolling along. I don't know why. He All he does is win uh, since he got to Vegas. Eichel, Marcia, Barbashev. I think you can leave Barbashev off if you want and add in another power play piece like Theodore or Stone or whatever you want. But like Vegas won for me. I do have a little bit of interest in that Chicago one line. I just don't think I'm getting there in one lineup yeah i have interest in the chicago line the reason for that is um i'm going by our buddy uh quick parties line matching um he has a service that just kind of shows stats and line matching um from different teams it's not through stochastic or anything it's it's just a guy we know through twitter um but he thinks bedard's not going to be going out against the top line for vegas and Low key, the Chandler Stevenson Mark Stone line has been pretty bad defensively since they've been put together. I like I think part of it is playing with Brett Howden. Like, you know, all respect to Brett Howden. He turned from what looked like to be an AHL career into an NHL career and he's won a Stanley Cup, but he's not a good defensive player and he tends to sometimes take stupid penalties. Um, you know, the Bedard top line, they have been fairly porous defensively, but they do generate a ton, 3.1 expected goals. Uh, together um, this season. Now, obviously, Hall missed a game. Um, Radish, this is his first game there. Don't forget, this is Chicago's first home game of the season. They started with five games on the road, which feels like a pretty brutal schedule for them. But if they're going to go up against that stone line, which has not been good defensively, um, as I mentioned, um, 3.1 expected goals against per 60 minutes with Brett Howden on that line. Like, that's well below average. Like there, there were like 3.1 expected goals against, and there are seasons where Mark Stone's at like two, 2.1. Like they've been pretty bad defensively. 
And like I said, the Bedard line's been generating a ton. And there's not a lot of ownership coming in on him. I don't think you... Honestly, if you just want to use Bedard and Hall, or just Bedard as a one-off, I think that's fine. Um, he's been gener- yeah, he's still generating a ton of shots. Like, I know he was held without a shot in his last game. But like I said, it was a fifth game of a five-game road trip to start his NHL career. Like, I'm not going to dig him too much for that one. Um, but, you know, first home game, playing against the top team. Um, like I said, I, I think they're going to avoid the top line matchup, which is the tough one on the Vegas side. I kind of like the Chicago top line here and like Vegas one perfectly fine to use. Don't get me wrong, especially where they're coming in with positive leverage. It is a very good matchup for this Vegas line. Um, so Eichel, Marshall, Barbashev, as you said, um, perfectly acceptable to go with. I just think this might be the night that Bedard finally kind of breaks out. Uh, it seems like it could be a sneaky good matchup for him going up against the middle six uh, for Vegas. And if I can get, you know, Bedard and Hall at like two, three, four percent ownership, I, I might take that chance here tonight. So I think it's both top lines. I like the best Vegas two certainly in play, um, you know, Stone and Stevenson and, and Howden um, still generate well offensively and Howden's mid price twenty five hundred. So really save a lot on that line. Um, but I think it is the Bedard line that I like best here. Yeah. If I like, again, I'm probably not getting there in one lineup. If I was playing three, the chances get stronger. And if I was playing 20, I would absolutely have some of that line. Columbus Blue Jackets with a 2.5 total heading into Minnesota. The Wild have a 3.6 total. Columbus played last night. They beat the Flames. Um, Watch his face. Patrick Line is going to be out tonight. So Alex Texier is going to be centering Fantilli and Cole Sillinger. Uh, they said it was going to be Jack Rosovic. Sorry. Oh, that's, sorry. Yeah, Jack, the, the team sent out a, like a note saying it's going to be Jack Rosovic. That almost never happens, but it's a good heads up for us. Yeah, that's Columbus pretty good with the lines and stuff, so that's nice to see. Minnesota going running back their uh, top line, second line of Joe Eriksson-Eck, Marcus Johansson, Sammy Walker. Now, again, Minnesota won massive chalk here tonight, projected ownership of 26%. That's about what they were projected lastly, and that's about what they were on the slate. Now, they got there because Montreal took 647 penalties that game. I feel like Minnesota was on the power play for the whole second period in that game. This isn't like, okay, I understand why this line is that high owned. And this definitely isn't as bad of chalk as chalk national one from last year. Like, I just don't know if I can play a 25% owned line that isn't fully correlated on the power play. Zuccarello hasn't looked great going back to last year. Hartman's not on the top power play. Capper's off the man, but like they don't, their five on five numbers for that line in particular aren't great. Like, I just don't know if I can eat the chalk. Like, it's an elite matchup. There comes his back to back on the road. I just, if Minnesota's your team, play him, obviously, because I went on that rant about ownership doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. You can get different. I'm not balking at the ownership because it's the matchup. It's just like, I just, there's factors that doesn't make them the best line on the slate. Yeah. I, I was looking at how, cause the Minnesota top line was really, really good two years ago. And then last year they really, really fell off. And I was looking at their numbers with and without Jared Spurgeon on the ice with them. And yeah, their expected goals for go down 30% when they're on with a defenseman that is not named Jared Spurgeon. And I think that kind of speaks to 
the lack of defensive, like good defensemen that they've had. Um, it certainly puts a lot more pressure on Kalen Addison and Kalen Addison, 3,700 tonight on FanDuel, and he played 22 minutes on the plus top power play time in the last game. So uh, we'll get to defensemen at the end of the show, but Kalen Addison on FanDuel, I don't want to say he's a free square, but it kind of feels like a free square. Um, the thing with Minnesota is, as we always mention, is that Joel Erickson X line takes the top line matchups uh, when they're at home. So they're going to be going out against that Jenner, Godro, uh, Martenko line. And then after that, there's nothing. There is nothing defensively that can stop the Kaprizov, Hartman, Zuccarello line. But like I said, they don't generate nearly as much without Jared Spurgeon. And Columbus is a team that usually doesn't take a lot of penalties. So seeing is believing. And you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Chevy truck season. And with the Chevy Silverado, there's no such thing as an uphill battle. With the Chevy Silverado, you can take on the mountains or you can move them. Because with impressive towing capability and available 13.4 inch diagonal touchscreen and a choice of powerful engines to pick from, whatever your mountain, there's a Silverado with the capability you need. Click to learn more. Find new roads at your local Chevy dealer. If they're not generating much of five on five and they get two power plays instead of like seven or whatever it was against Montreal, it was nine. Can they can they put up enough to have a GPP winning score? I mean, yes, obviously they can. Any just about anything can happen in a single hockey game. But do I want to do that at twenty five percent plus ownership? I think if I were to go to the Minnesota side, even though Columbus doesn't take a lot of penalties, I'd do something like. Take Hartman out and put Joel Erickson in and make it a power play stack. Make sure I have Kaelin Addison on the blue line. Like, I don't really have a problem playing Minnesota one here tonight, even at 25%. But I think it would I would be finding it a way to turn it into a power play stack rather than have it be an even strength stack. And obviously, you know, you got to have Kaprizov in there. Um, but where Addison is still so cheap, and like I said, he got over 22 minutes in the last game. And a big problem with him has been minutes there. You know, he was playing 15 minutes a game or whatever, 16 minutes a game last year. If he can stay up over 20 minutes, like that's a guy that you want to include with your Minnesota, Minnesota stack. So I'm fine with choking on the chalk. I think personally in my lineup, I won't be playing them, but I, like I, I don't have, I don't really have a problem with like putting Erickson neck with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, making sure you have Addison on the blue line, like those types of things. Um, Another thing I'll mention is the Minnesota third line. Uh, Marco Rossi is still second on the team in shot rate behind Kirill Kaprizov. They're doing some work down there on the third line. And like I said, Columbus has nothing that can defend anything outside the top line. So I don't know if I would full on stack, but like a two man of Rossi, Godro. Like if you're looking like, you know, there are super expensive stacks. There's Colorado, Toronto, um, Edmonton, there's all those. If you're looking for a super cheap two-man, I don't mind dipping down to like a Godreau Rossi two-man going up against the bottom six of Columbus, especially where if Minnesota spreads out the ice time because they should be Columbus's brains in here tonight. If they start spreading out the ice time, maybe they see more minutes than we think. So I honestly don't mind like a two-man out of the Minnesota three line here. I, I like them too. I'm glad you mentioned them. Um, but if I am power play stacking, it's a nice little way to 
get a little bit different with Minnesota. The two guys I would have to have in a power play stack from the wild are Kaprizov and Joe Arksonak. They're by far their two best players this season. So just keep that in mind. Let's move on to the next one. San Jose Sharks with a 2.4 total heading into Nashville. The Predators have a 3.6 total. Nashville was chalked all last year. Now Ryan O'Reilly, who's good, with Philip Forsberg, who's good, and Yusuf Parsinens, who holds his own, is only 4.9% against the Sharks, which is literally a generationally bad defensive team. I don't get it. They're 16,300. Ryan O'Reilly is my big dog plus money prop of the night. If you don't follow me on Twitter, I have that every day on most slates, as long as it's not like a two-game slate. Uh, Check out my Twitter for that. Um, But, yeah, I I really like Nashville 1 here. I feel like I'm missing something, and that happens a lot. But, like, Cliffy usually helps me with that. What am I missing here? I mean – it doesn't feel like you're missing anything because they have a 3.6 total, which is the same total of the Minnesota team that we just talked about that has a 25% top line. Now, I think part of it might be like Roman like Roman Yossi is a player Minnesota doesn't have. So like he figures into that goal total as well. Um, the Nashville, like that um, Nashville quote fourth line with training and Cole Smith, like I think training – played like 18 minutes in their last game while Cole Smith was over 15 minutes. Like they're not a genuine fourth line. Um, right, Cole Smith. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Against your Rangers. Um, so I think that's part of it is that there, there are depth lines for the Predators that could actually put up some goals because they are playing reasonably well. Like you got, I thought Nashville would be a doormat this year and they've actually looked pretty good holding their own. Like they certainly haven't looked terrible, which is what I thought they that they might be. But the top line has been incredible. 4.7 expected goals generated in their 45 minutes together. Uh, that's per 60 minutes, both getting like 19 to 20 minutes a game, both on the top power play unit. Um, I did write up Philip Forsberg uh, for that picks article. Again, free to read for anybody um, over at stochastic.com. Like creating almost 36 shots per 60 minutes. Like they're shooting under 8%, which is the problem. Forsberg is the top projected winger that we have priced under $7,000 on DraftKings tonight. And it doesn't seem like a lot of people are going to be playing them. It's just a matter of what does your Nashville stack look like? Is it just the top line? Do you take off Parson in and put on Evangelista? Do you have Roman Yossi in your stack? I think that's the big issue with, I don't think the issue is, do you play Nashville tonight? Because San Jose is probably going to be the worst defensive team in the league this year. It might give Anaheim's team from last year a run for their money of worst defensive team in the last decade. But the question is exactly how do you build the stack? Now, San Jose's penalty kill has looked abominable to start this year. I think you want to get guys on the top power play unit. You want, like with Cody Glass out, Evangelista's on the top unit. They do run double defensemen, which is kind of interesting. I think this is one of those nights where you can definitely use uh, Yossi and Barry. If you don't want to stack Nashville forwards, you, I think you can stack Nashville defensemen in this one. Um, you know, and the Ryan McDonough-Alex Carrier pairing has been one of the best in the NHL to start this season. So, like, there are plenty of options to go with with Nashville. I just really love this top line here tonight. So, yeah, Nashville won for me. If you're going to dip down, like, into the cheaper, into the depths uh, of the Nashville forwards, it would be going to, like, 
Trainin Smith or, you know, Ad Nyquist or something like that. They do mix up their lines a fair bit as well. They're one of those teams that do that. Maybe you just want to like one off a training or one off a Sizzins or something like that. Maybe not necessarily full stack, but there are things to like all over this Nashville side. On the San Jose side, like, man, like I kind of felt like a marriage that was falling apart after 15 years. Like I really tried to make it work with the San Jose Sharks to see if there's anything that could be of value here tonight going up against a really bad Nashville team. Or like, I, I, I shouldn't say really bad Nashville team. A Nashville team that has their questions defensively. Let's put it that way. On There's just nothing. There's just nothing. Like, Mike Hoffman honestly has the shooting rate of a third-pair defenseman. And he's supposed to be one of their top goal scorers. Like, I definitely don't want to go, uh, get, you know, go use their top line. Hurdle declare Bear off. They haven't been very good. And they're going up against O'Reilly and Forsberg, who have been. So if you want to use like a one-off Philip Zadina or something like that, I think you can do that. But I think that's about as far as I'm going with the Sharks. Jake just sent me a message. He said, Cliffy, you could you said leave off Parsinens in favor Angelista. Is he on power play one? He says Jake says he sees Novak there. Is our buddy Novak on the top power play unit? I mean, Evangelista played there in the last game, so that's yeah, kind of what after I'm last after. Yeah, yeah so that's what I'm going by. Yeah, we'll have to check on that. Yeah, well, why don't you set up the next game and I'll go see if any of the beat writers have, have mentioned anything. Oh, I will set it up all right. We got the Pittsburgh Penguins with a 3.6 total heading into Haas's St. Louis. The Blues have a three total. This is another game where I'm confused at the low ownership, right? Because Pittsburgh's going into St. Louis. St. Louis isn't very very good defensively at all. Both of the Pittsburgh top lines are coming in around 1.5% projected ownership here. Top line is 20,600 projected at around 1.5%. And then Malkin, who's looked excellent with Riley Smith and Ricard Raquel, 17,400 at that low ownership. There isn't a matchup on St. Louis that... um, I'm scared about like Jordan Bennington and that like that doesn't scare me. Jordan Bennington punching me in the face is more scary than Jordan Bennington trying to save shots. So like, I, I don't know. I really like Pittsburgh here. It's just the question of, right. Who are you going to like, if you're going to pay up in one lineup for these expensive lines, are you going to do Pittsburgh? You can do Edmonton. You can do Colorado. You can do Dallas. You know what I mean? There's questions, but like with this ownership, I feel like I'm missing something. What am I missing? Yeah, just to touch on Nashville, I did find a guy who writes for Nashville Hockey Now, and that's one of those, that's a reputable um, uh, news outlet. Uh, it was Evangelista practicing on the power play yesterday at practice, so I would expect Evangelista on the top power play unit. Um, I don't know what you're missing in this game because I feel like I'm missing something too, especially where St. Louis uses Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo against opposing top lines. And Thomas and Cairo are not a good defensive line. And they've been really, really bad to start this year. 78 shot attempts against per 60 minutes of five on five. Like that's a low level penalty kill. Like I'm not going to lie. Going back to last year when they're on the ice without Pavel Buchnevich, who's not going to be playing tonight, even though I think he was at morning skate, but they said he's not ready to play yet. 3.4 expected goals against, 4.1 actual goals against without Buchnevich. Those are god-awful defensive numbers. And that's the matchup that Crosby is going to get tonight. Um, you know, the Crosby line has looked really, really good for the Penguins so far this season. 3.4 expected goals per 60 minutes. 
Um, Crosby has five points and 15 shots in four games, almost four shots per game. Like Jake Gensel is is shooting um, as well. So is Brian Rust. Um, the one issue is that St. Louis doesn't typically take a lot of penalties. They're at the bottom of the league last year uh, for penalties taken. They're near the bottom of the league again this year. So Pittsburgh may not get um, a lot of power play time. That was a godsend last year because, you know, that power play looked pretty bad at times. Uh, but it has been better to start this season with Eric Carlson there. You would want some more power play time. But again, I'm looking at this line coming in under 2% owned. They've been really good. They get a great matchup, five on five at least. They are at least one of the expensive lines that I'm considering here tonight. Um, I don't know, you know, exactly how people want to approach this. I don't think this is a place where I would go in power play stack, especially, like I said, especially where the Blues don't typically don't take a lot of penalties. So it, it would be playing either of the even strength lines. If you want to dip down to Pittsburgh too, because you need to save money for your other stack or whatever, I think that's perfectly fine because they're coming in with negative or positive leverage as well. Um, And they've been really, really good to start this year too. Like um, Malkin has 18 shots and seven points in four games. Like that stuff he was doing in the playoffs 10 years ago. Um, I just think this is a really, really good spot for the Penguins top line. They're my favorite line in this game, but either of the Penguins top two lines certainly in play here. I think if I'm playing anything from the St. Louis side, I wrote up Kevin Hayes in the, in the picks article today. Uh, and it's just to highlight how well him and Verona and Blaze have been playing on the St. Louis third line. They've been their best line so far this season. They're controlling 60% of the shot attempts while they're on the ice. That's an elite line. Small sample size. We'll see how things go. But what I mentioned in the article is that with Pittsburgh's top guys off the ice, they're up 43% ownership uh, of the shot, of the shot share. So, that St. Louis third line should be able to dominate Pittsburgh's bottom six here tonight. So if I'm playing anything from the blue side, it's that Hayes, Blaze, Vrana line. I don't know if I would full stack them, but certainly two men of like Vrana and Blaze, Vrana and Hayes, Hayes and Blaze, something like that. Hayes and Blaze. There we go. Um, sounds like a weed company. Um, but I do like the St. Louis third line, the, like by far the best um, in this particular matchup uh, for them here tonight. Yeah, I, I do like that St. Louis third line. And they have a three total, so uh, I don't know what that speaks to, really. But Pittsburgh's look pretty good to start this season. As we mentioned off the top of the show, we are sponsored by Bet365. Thank you very much for that. If you deposit $10 and bet five of them, you get $150 in free bonus bets. If you are in Kentucky, Ohio, New Jersey, Virginia, Iowa, and Colorado, you can take advantage of that. If you live very close to one of those states, you probably should hop in the car and take advantage of this deal. Uh, you have to be 21 plus, unless you're in Kentucky, you have to be 18 and have four teeth. Also, if you want to sign up for this, you can tail my big dog plus money prop of the night, which is Ryan O'Reilly in assist. Um, you can tail that on bet 365. And if you or anyone else you know has a problem gambling problem, call it 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's move on to the final four of the night. The Carolina Hurricanes with a three total heading into Colorado. The Avalanche have a 3.4 total. Uh, I saw somewhere that uh, Ajo is a game time decision, but leaning towards not playing. Uh, we'll have to see on that. I'm assuming, I'm assuming he's out. He skated yeah. in a defenseman sweater at, more, at morning skate today. Uh, that would tell me he's not playing. Yeah, so he's probably out tonight. And like, without Ajo, 
And this game being in Colorado, McKinnon Rantner are going to avoid the meat grinder of uh, Martin Oxtall and Faust. They're, they're probably, for the most part, going out against Natchez, Bunting, and Teravine, and I think that's a matchup that they can win. Um, if Bedner was advantageous, he would also get him out a bunch when uh, Tony D'Angelo is on the ice, but he doesn't see much five-on-five five time. But Colorado 3.2% projected ownership here. I really like Colorado 1. It's not the typical Carolina matchup up here. I don't know, man. I like Colorado 1 here. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I did write up Colorado today in the picks article. I mean, one of the big reasons was the positive leverage. Um, they are one of those expensive lines that's not really getting a lot of ownership. 3.2% right now um, per the top stacks tool. Like that's, you know, nothing to worry about. Um, I was looking at the defensive numbers for Teravine and Natchez when they weren't playing with one of their top two centers. Like they're good, but like you said, they're not like Jordan Stahl good. Like you're missing that matchup, which is a very good thing. Like, and what I noted in that picks article is that Carolina hasn't been great defensively to start this year outside the top 10 by expected goals against per 60 minutes, which is very un-Carolina like, um, and bad goaltending has really hurt them. And Freddie Anderson's still hurt. He's not playing. It's going to be anti-Ranta and net who just got lit up in their last game. So I kind of like, I kind of like the Colorado side here tonight, like Colorado's top line, has looked great again uh, so far this season. Um, you know, even like even when McKinnon kind of busted or whatever it was in their last game, he still had the DraftKings shot bonus. You know what I mean? So like you're still getting points from them, um, even in the games they bust. Like Carolina is the team that typically does take a lot of penalties. Like they have a really good penalty kill, but I don't think I want to give this Colorado team too many opportunities at home on the power play. Um, that could be a problem for the for Carolina as well. And as you mentioned, if that top line ever gets out against the third pair from the Hurricanes, it is going to be an absolute feast in the offensive zone for Colorado. So um, along with Pittsburgh, uh, Colorado certainly is one of those expensive top lines that I am considering here tonight. Honestly, I think this is going to be a theme for me for most of the season. I don't think I'll ever stack just Colorado 2 as presently constructed. Um, regardless of matchups, certainly I'm not going to do it in this one when they're probably going to go up against um, the Yesperi Kakanyami line. Colorado three would be a line that I would play on some nights, but they're going to get that Jordan Stahl matchup. So I want to avoid that completely. So it is Colorado one for me that I like best on their side. Honestly, I think from Carolina it would be the third line I would go to. I think they're one of those filler stacks that you can go to if you need something super, super cheap. Um, I don't think I would full three-man stack them, but again, a two-man of like Stahl and Faster, Stahl and Martin Nook, something like that um, is kind of the way that I would approach Carolina tonight, but there's nothing from that side that I'm that I'm really considering my single entry. Yeah, me either. And I think Colorado ones are a nice little sneaky GPP option tonight. Let's move on to the next one, Winnipeg Jets with a three total heading into Edmonton. The Oilers have a 3.8 total. Edmonton loading the top line, going Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Zach Hyman. Edmonton also going 11-7 tonight, so you know those boys are getting heavy minutes. Um, Mason Appleton still on the top line for Winnipeg. Like, it's just as, as bad as Edmonton's been defensively, like it's just hard to full stack anything on the on the Winnipeg side right now without 
Gabriel Velarde. I think Shifley, Connor, two man is fine. You want to you want to do like graffiti Ealers. I guess that's fine, but they're coming in way over owned. It's just this game is a question of are you gonna are you gonna pay twenty five thousand three hundred for Edmonton one or not? Yeah, exactly. And I think there are lots of reasons to pay it, but I also think there are ways that you can kind of not necessarily pay that much. Like I, I'm a, I'm a guy that usually plays McDavid and Drysaddle together when I play them in GPPs, but there's, it's not necessary. Like there's already been a game this year where uh, there was that game in Nashville where um, Drysaddle just absolutely nuked the slate, but it was Drysaddle plus, you know, Hyman and Nugent Hopkins that really did the damage. He didn't need Connor McDavid on that slate. There are going to be nights like that. So I think like, where they are playing together at five on five, like I get that you really want to put them. I don't think it's absolutely necessary that you know every Edmonton lineup has both McDavid and Drysaddle in them. I think you can just get away with just playing one of them, but you absolutely want at least one of them in your lineup. It's just what the rest of it looks like. Looking for a fun way to win up to twenty five times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players. Pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And the note here is that they're going up against Winnipeg. And Winnipeg... Winnipeg is leaving Mason Appleton on the top line. I, like, he got almost 19 minutes of ice time in their last game, which, like, I don't even know what we're doing anymore. Ricky, honestly. baby. Ricky. Like, like, three minutes more than Nick Ehlers for Mason Appleton is completely losing the plot. Unless Ehlers, like, lost his leg and he's, like, just kind of pushing himself around with his stick, there's no reason to do that. Um and with Mason Appleton there, their defensive numbers are atrocious. 3.4 expected goals against for 60 minutes going back to last year. 3.5 actual goals against. I've watched a couple Winnipeg Jets games this year. Their penalty kill does not look as good as it did last year. And it kind of bears out uh, when you look at their penalty kill numbers so far this season. Like they're just on the fringe of being a bottom 10 team by shot attempts against on the PK. And if you're... <laughs> If you're anywhere as close to a bottom 10 team on the penalty kill against this Edmonton power play, when Edmonton's at home, you could have a bad time. Now, the saving grace, obviously, um, is the goaltending, right? Um, anytime you have Connor Hellebuck in net, you certainly – and he's not confirmed, but I, he's probably going to play because Brossois started their last game. 
anytime you have Connor Hellebuck in that, you have a chance to steal a game, right? And a, like a way better chance than most goalies. That's what, that's kind of the concern. But this is the way that uh, Winnipeg's lining up here tonight. This is a tremendous matchup for Edmonton. And it's not that they just stack their top line, right? Like sometimes there are line combinations with Drysaddle and McDavid where they aren't super elite offensively. Hyman's not one of those combinations. 4.2 expected goals per 60 minutes of five on five together over the last two years. That's over 300 minutes together. 5.6 actual goals. You will see power play units that don't score 5.6 goals per 60 minutes of five on five. Montreal probably has a couple of them. Um, it, it's just it's it's just an, an absolutely brutal line. I think the bigger question for Edmonton, like I said, is do all three are all three guys necessary for a GPP winning lineup? I don't necessarily think that they are, but yeah, this is a with the way that these lines are constructed, this is a tremendous matchup for the for the Edmonton top line. So, as much as I do want to play Pittsburgh and Colorado, and I do. Edmonton's right up there with them, um, even at 25,100. On the Winnipeg side, I like, I don't know, man. Like, if they're going to play Cole Perfitti 12 or 13 minutes a night, like, there's just nothing you can do. Like, if you guys want to play Adam Lowry uh, on the road on a 13 game slate, like, go ahead. But I'm not, like, that's just not something that I can do. Like, obviously, you can play Alex Iafalo. He's getting top power play minutes or whatever. So is Nick Ehlers. So, like, I just, Perfidi and Ehlers have been playing really, really well together. They're just not getting ice time. And Edmonton's actually been better defensively than I kind of expected them to be. So, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I want, I, I really want to play Winnipeg 2 here tonight. But I'm worried that they're going to get 11 minutes of ice time. Because, like, that's just the way bonus is. So, I think it's Edmonton 1, for Edmonton, one Edmonton power player bust for me out of this game. Yeah, and I think... I think a lot of people are just going to jam McDavid dry side and leave Hyman off. I think if you want to get crazy, you just add, you keep Hyman on there, even add in Bouchard and then go dumpster diving. I think that's a nice way to get different on the slate. My New York Rangers, you just got run over by Cole Smith with a 3.2 total heading into Seattle. The Kraken have a 2.8 total. Johnny quick was just confirmed. Um, he was eventually going to get a game. And this is probably the game here. I don't have a ton of interest in the Rangers here tonight. You want to stack either of the top two lines, that's fine. I just, I'm not super interested in stacking against Seattle. I'm also not interested in stacking Seattle. Like, I think you can take pieces of these lines. Like, the, the X factor here is quick. Like, it's a massive downgrade from, from Igor. Even if you think Igor hasn't been off to the best start, like, quick. I'm surprised he hasn't retired yet. You know what I mean? So, like, there are some really cheap Seattle lines I think you can use some pieces of tonight. So, I don't know. You can use some cheap Seattle. Is basically what I'm getting at. Yeah. I, not, I was just not, not happy about it, though. Yeah, of course. I was just checking one of the sites that I look at um, to kind of look at uh, line movement or whatever. Over the last hour, um, Seattle's gone from 2.9 to 3.2 uh, implied goal total. So uh, that's kind of the effect of Jonathan Quick being expected to play. I also did see that Jaden Schwartz was at morning skate today. I didn't see any confirmation that he's actually going to play. He left the game last game. I mentioned that because when he got injured, it was Yanni Gord that got moved up, um, up to up on the power play. And 
it's notable because Gordon Burakovsky on the same power play on the same even strength line. And that power play unit has been the better unit for Seattle so far this season. On top of that, I'm sorry to say this, Josh, but your New York Rangers are giving up the most shot attempts against on the penalty kill of any team in the NHL, even more than San Jose, even more than Vancouver. It's not been a great start on the penalty kill for ye old New York Rangers, and I don't think Jonathan Quick is going to be the one that's going to solve that problem. No. Now, the issue is is the way that Seattle runs their lines, they basically split up the power play units. They split up the ice time. They split up the players, except for the Beneers line. The Beneers line all, all plays together. But it is that Bjorkstrand, Schwartz, Tolvin, and Dunn power play unit that has been the better power play unit. And it doesn't surprise me because Vince Dunn is a light years better defenseman, especially offensively, than Justin Schultz is, particularly at this point in Justin Schultz's career. So it doesn't surprise me that the power play unit with Justin Schultz is struggling while the power play unit with Vince Dunn is not. Um, I do kind of like that Seattle um, second power play unit. The problem is, is like they're going, it's going to be Wember, Bjorkstrand, and Schwartz likely playing together. Uh, Bjorkstrand and Schwartz are the two guys on the on that second power play unit. They're going to be going up against the bottom six from the Rangers, and they're going to be shooting against Jonathan Quick. So I guess that's fine. I if it feels bad to say because I like Jaden Schwartz. I just kind of wish they were like, ah, we're going to take one more game and make sure everything's fine and healed because I want Yanny Gord on that power play unit so I can get some extra correlation. Um, but it is Schwartz, Bjorkstrand, and Wentberg that I like best um, on the Seattle side. I agree with you on the Rangers. Not a whole lot that I really like. I would just be going to the top line. If I were to play the Rangers, I'd be going to Zibanejad, Kreider, and Kako. It's the only line that they look really intent on keeping together. Um, they aren't super expensive. We have seen the Seattle goaltending falter quite a bit over the last three years, this season included. Um, so I don't mind the Rangers top line. I think for them, it'd be more, if I were 20 maxing, I would probably have like maybe a one or two Rangers top line. I just don't know if I'll, I'll get there in single entry. There are just, there are other spots that I like better at that price range that are also coming in. Yeah. And I don't know. It's Rangers on the slate. I don't know. It just doesn't feel right for me. Okay. I don't know why every time I click Los Angeles Kings in the top stacks, Florida Panthers lines always pop up. But here we are. Boston with a three total heading into Los Angeles. The Kings also have a three total. Jake DeBrusque out tonight. Milan Lucic up on the top line with Zacha and Pasternak. I don't really know what to make of that. Um. I don't know. Kings coming in a little bit over-owned here. Nothing egregious. Lucic on the top line. It's probably going to be swimming tonight. Do you have any interest in the Kings here? Uh, no. Like I was, we were talking. We were talking before the show. Like Boston hasn't had that huge offensive outburst yet. Like there's certainly been some good DFS games from their forwards, but. Um, they just haven't been finishing. That's been the big problem. Like Zaka and Pasternak so far this season, 85 shot attempts per 60 minutes. Like that's literally what uh, like a low level power play will put out. Problem is, is that they're shooting 5%. The other issue is that they're still not playing a lot. Um, one thing I mentioned to you before the show is that last year, Pasternak saw 72% of the team's power play time. This year he's seeing 63%. So they lose David Krejci 
they lose Patrice Bergeron and they play David Pasternak less on the power play. I, it's one of those, you know, make it make sense moments. Um, it could be just a small sample. Like we'll see where things stand 10 games from now, but that's a little bit of a concern. Um, I also mentioned to you that I think Milan Lucic is just getting like, he'll, he'll get like the first shift on the top line because he used to play in Los Angeles. So it's like kind of giving him like a little homecoming, but with, with Jake DeBrusque out because he missed a team meeting, like, don't do that. Don't put it, don't pull a Josh Ho saying, and, and then get your career nuked because you missed one meeting. Um, I don't know how long Lucic really lasts on the top line, but like, I don't mind Pasternak and Zaka here because the Kings penalty kill really isn't like a huge problem for me. What is a problem is going up against Kopitar and Byfield and, and Kempe. Like they're typically really good defensively. They've been good defensively again to start this season. That's going to be the matchup. I think I'm kind of out on Boston here. If anything, uh, I would be going back to the Kings' second line of Fiala, Dubois, Laferriere. I noticed um, Fiala and Laferriere have 25 shots on goal combined this season, and I think they played four games, uh, five games maybe. I think it's four. Zero goals between them. So eventually that's going to start to regress, and they're going to start getting their goals. Um, they're coming in. You know, 3% ownership, that's not bad. You know, if you want to leave off that Ferriere, I think that's fine. The Kings are drawing over four power plays per game, which is really, really, really good. Now, Boston has an elite penalty kill, so I don't think you really want to target that. So it is the even strength line of Fiala Dubois, La Ferriere, that I like the best in this game. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I'll be getting my late night hammer from this one. I think I'll be looking in other spots. Agreed. Agreed. That is the 12 games we have gotten through here. There is no show after us, but there will be NFL shows tomorrow. So make sure to stay tuned for those tomorrow. If you are playing NFL, I will be playing. And I just like suffering on Sunday. So I'm definitely going to be playing. Let's talk a little bit about defensemen and goalies here. There are some really good spend up options here. Roman Yossi sticks out to me. Um, McCarr, obviously. Then you get into this mid-range like the 5Ks, there are a plethora of options here. Who are you liking the most? I noticed in, a, in the projections today that Roman Yossi's projection is like 33% higher than the next closest defenseman. Like it's it's just Yossi and then, there, and then the next tier starts. So yeah, like I, I do like Yossi. I'll also mention Eric Carlson. Like his price, relatively speaking, is, is, is cheaper over on FanDuel. So if you're playing on FanDuel, I think Carlson makes a lot of sense from the Penguins. Um, Shea Theodore still, you know, as long as Alex Petrangelo is out, I'll keep playing Shea Theodore, uh, for Vegas, obviously Evan Bouchard running the power play for Edmonton. It's the mid price guys that where things get interesting because Scott Mayfield is still out for the Islanders. And if anybody looks at the way the Islanders ran their defenseman last night, they basically just played their top four defensemen, which is something that they have like five defensemen that they'll play. And then whoever else is in the lineup gets 12 minutes or like 10 minutes. Like that's just yeah. the way it goes. Everybody else will get, depending who's who's healthy or not, will get 20 to 25 minutes. So I think going back to Noah Dobson makes sense. But I also think like just paying all the way down for like Alex Romanoff is probably the way to go. Um, you know, Oliver ekman Larson for Florida like as long as he keeps playing the minutes he is, especially in the power play spot that he's in tonight, he'll, he obviously makes sense. Quinn Hughes, I posted this in our Discord. Quinn Hughes is taking the fifth most shot attempts per minute of any defenseman in the NHL this season. And now we're up to five games and he's not had a stretch like this in his career. 
maybe he is finally becoming the shooting defenseman that he said that he wanted to turn into last year. Um, so I don't mind Quinn Hughes as a one-off either. Um, Mike Matheson, obviously for Montreal makes a lot of sense. Um, Justin Falk, Travis Sandheim, uh, if you're paying under 5k also have to mention Zach Wierenski. He's $4,000 on FanDuel. Like it's not a good spot for Columbus, but if he gets Zach Wierenski for $4,000 on FanDuel, like it's kind of tough to avoid it. Uh, for the cheap guys, I already mentioned Romanoff. Uh, in the write-up, I did uh, bring in Kalen Addison. I think he could get some more minutes here tonight. He's only 3900 on DraftKings, only 3700 on FanDuel. There's another cheap defenseman to use. Um, if you want to stay with Nashville, I think Ryan McDonough makes a lot of sense. Uh, Adam Larson, as long as he's under 4K, I'll always have interest in Adam Larson from Seattle. If you need a, a super a min-price defenseman, I think Emil Andre from uh florida philadelphia makes sense he didn't get a lot of minutes last game but mark stall's hurt rasmus versus the line is still out like eventually like i mean i guess they could just play cam york and travis sandheim 30 minutes here tonight i mean i think they played 27 minutes in their last game but i got to think andre at least gets like to like 15 minutes or something here tonight don't mind him um at 2500 um josh manson and brett pesci from that colorado carolina game are two defensemen they're sticking out as well yeah, Quinn Hughes tired of his brother scoring all the goals, so he's starting to shoot the puck more. Oliver Ekman Larson, uh, if you live on Narrative Street playing Vancouver for the first time since he left. Yeah, just I want to add that in here. Looking at the goalies here, Scott Wedgwood in net for Dallas. Um, it is not uh Ottinger. Uh, oh no. Yeah, and then you know the expensive options, Aiden Hill, Stewie Skinner, Bobrovsky. Gustafsson if he starts like I don't know like UC Saros is above 8k don't mind Yorgiev at 8k like if I'm going to spend up that's probably the guy but then starting to go down the list like Comrie starting for Buffalo like I don't really like that Jonas Johansson is just kind of a scene Philip Grubauer not great Samsonite for Toronto like there aren't like Vrlamov I'm just going down the list like there there isn't a goalie that I'm going oh man I need to get this guy in the mid-range who are you liking Georgiev is a guy for me that stood out like immediately on this slate because Colorado hasn't faced a team yet that's top 10 by shot attempts. I mentioned that in the picks article. Again, free to read over at stochastic.com. What a great website. Um, They haven't faced the top 10 team by shot volume yet and Carolina's first by shot volume, at least shot attempts per, per minute. So like this could be the night where Georgiev finally sees like 37 or 38 shots or something like that. So He's a goalie that stood out to me immediately. Now, he's really expensive on FanDuel. <laughs> well, UC Saros, I think, is $7,000 on FanDuel. So I don't know why you would play a different goalie than Saros if you're playing on FanDuel here tonight. Um, I did want to play Thatcher Demko against Florida, but Thatcher Demko is not starting. So I crossed him off. Carter Hart, um, or Samuel Urson, sorry, um, makes sense for me from the Flyers. 6700 Like, with people playing expensive Colorado and expensive Edmonton, you might need that, that three or $400 that you could save going from a cheap goalie to a bargain basement goalie. So Samuel Erson from the Flyers, I don't mind. I honestly can't believe I'm saying this, but another guy that I'm looking towards is Jordan Bennington, 7,300. Uh, the Penguins, <laughs> yeah, I know the Penguins typically uh, put up a lot of shot volume, uh, St. Louis allows a lot of shot volume. St. Louis also doesn't take a lot of penalties, so it's a lot of five-on-five shots. Honestly, if if you have if you have a little bit of cap space, I don't mind paying up for Bennington. So the guys that stood out were Georgiev, Urson, Bennington. After that, like there's just 
no one that I really, really want to play. Unless you want to go back to the Chicago goalies uh, facing Vegas. I think for the Chicago home opener, it's not a bad play. Yeah. I mean, goalie's an absolute down show. It's a lot of backups today. So, like, if you like someone, play him. Are you looking for your hat trick pick? Uh, I'm going to go spicy, like real spicy here tonight. And I'm doing it um, because he's finally getting the opportunity that he probably deserved like two or three years ago. And I want to see if he can pull it off. So I'm going Matthew Phillips from Washington. That was my guy too. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So let me let me give you another spicy pick here. Um, now I don't know what I'm going to do here. I had someone I, in mind and then I, I mean, forgot. The, 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 the pricier guy that I had in mind was Mark Stone from Vegas because I do think them – um, Vegas against Chicago it looks figures to be a high paced matchup. So I wrote it. I wrote it down. I should have just looked at my notes. I is another third is a third liner. It is Jakob Vrana. Ooh, I like that. Uh, yeah, Phillips and Vrana for some spicy hat trick picks tonight. Let's see what we can do. Let's go, little boys. We like little boy goals. Matthew Phillips is like four feet set, four foot seven on a tall bed. Uh, yeah, I thought Caulfield was tall. Yeah. Yeah, he's a tiny little fella. We'll be back on Tuesday to break down a 16-game slate. Every team are playing, and it's 15 minutes tiered. That's that's Jake Harry heaven. Uh, I'm sure he's excited. He's got the couch ready. It, he might hopefully doesn't get interrupted with becoming a uh, – I'm not going to spoil it, but we'll see you on Tuesday, everybody. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you on Tuesday. Good luck tonight, everyone. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.